My name is Katie Bulmer. I'm a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who found out at the age of 23, a cute boyfriend and hunch punch won't actually fill my broken places. Shocker, I know. It turns out there's only one savior. After this realization, I met a youth pastor turned financial genius, unlike any frat boy I ever dated. So I married him. Together, we have mentored teens and 20-somethings for over 15 years. We've learned a lot of the common themes, struggles, and ways we can help. So we're doing a podcast. Here it is. And welcome to the first ever episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. My name is Katie Bulmer. I'm a wife and a mom of two daughters. I was a marketing major and worked in different forms of advertising my whole grown-up life. I've moved around a decent amount, but I've spent most of my life in different parts of the beautiful state of Georgia. Why am I starting a podcast? Because everything I do, whether it's writing or traveling to speak to different schools around the nation, all started with coffee dates with a younger me. And this platform is designed to do just that, to have coffee dates with you and record it for a few of our friends to listen in. My goal is to be a mentor to young women and also interview people who are experts in dating, friendships, money, and all the things I wish I knew when I was your age. I'm so passionate about your age group for a lot of reasons, but to give you a little background, when my husband and I first got married, he was a youth pastor and I served as a high school small group leader, then transitioned to college ministry. While I love that time speaking to young friends who grew up in church, I felt this pull on my heart to speak to younger girls who were more like me. The girls that didn't have the books of the Bible memorized, the girls who made some questionable spring break decisions, Can I get an amen? And the girl who had all the heartbreak and hangovers they could stand and found themselves searching for more. I found my true calling in life during a good old-fashioned breakdown in my walk-in closet. Who else has been there? But if ever I've heard the voice of God, he said during this moment, go share your testimony with sorority women. I'll share more on that story in a moment, but to boil it down, I've spent over 15 years mentoring, advising, and being a big sis to younger women, and recently specifically sorority women. You guys are my heartbeat. I speak your language of boys, Bacardi, and just wanting more. Helping you figure out life is what I know I am on earth to do. My original plan with this first episode was to simply record me sharing my testimony. But I recently had an interview on the Third Space podcast where I dive into the whole why behind what I'm doing better than I could explain on my own. So we're going to cut to that recording in a minute. But to give you a frame of reference before we cut to that, I want to paint a picture of who I was when I was your age. I went to college at Georgia Southern University, go Eagles, which is a big school in a small town. I moved away with my best friend from high school with no plan, no declared major, and no idea what a sorority even was. Being a part of a sorority wasn't even on my radar. My mom was a Zeta at Valdosta State University, but she didn't really talk about it much. Or if she did, I wasn't listening. (laughs) 
My freshman year, moving four hours south of my home in Atlanta, Georgia, I was in a whole new world. But somehow I managed to become friends with a group of guys in Kappa Sigma. Now, at that time, they had something called Little Sisters. I guess I somehow made a good impression on this group of guys because next thing I know, there was a group of dudes at my apartment door dressed in suits with flowers and balloons and singing something about asking me to be their little sister. This was my first taste of Greek life. I went to all the little sister parties, which, by the way, don't consist of Bible studies and checkers, if you know what I mean, which is probably why they don't have little sisters anymore. But being part of this larger organization was my very first time in my 18-year-old life to belong to something bigger than myself. And I was just captivated by it all. So you know you how you put your Greek letters on the back of your car? Well, in the time of Little Sisters, we would put our Greek letters of the sorority and then underneath that, the Greek letters of the fraternity that we were a little sister of. But for me, because I became a little sister before a sorority was even on my radar, I rode around in my cute little red two-door Honda Civic with the letters Kappa Sig on the back. I'm, the fr- I'm sure that the fraternity guys were thrilled about this. Being a Kappa Sig little sister, I met a lot of sorority girls. I remember sitting on the front porch of the Kappa Sig house, staring across the street at this white, beautiful plantation mansion that was the 80 Pie House. I remember asking the girl beside me what those letters even meant and why that house was so stinking beautiful. Unbeknownst to me, I was being considered for a snap bed into 80 Pie. So a couple of weeks later, another knock at the door with girls dressed in sorority letters and balloons and flowers singing another song, inviting me to be a part of 80 Pie. My college career was beginning with a pattern of strangers in balloons knocking on my door. Actually, I said no to the sorority offer at first. All I saw was dollar signs and a commitment. I wasn't really interested. It was just all foreign to me and I didn't really want to be a part. But a long talk with who later became my big sis convinced me to give sorority life a try. Obviously, now I am so thankful. I now see God had a plan even back then to use Greek life as part of my story to later speak to a younger generation. But it wasn't without a few twists, turns, failed plans, and broken hearts that led me to where I am today. I'm going to dive into this a lot more in the episode on the Third Space podcast. So without further ado, here it is, my interview with Bob Baby. Well, I'm happy for everybody to join us today. Uh, Today, I have with me the one and only Katie Bulmer. She does yoga, but she's passionate about walking alongside college-aged young ladies and helping them with their relationships, their relationships with Christ, uh, their relationships with themselves, uh, and and all things being 20-something. And what's exciting is, is that um, she has an up-and-coming podcast. Uh, July 1st, I believe, is the launch date. And it's called, what's it called, Katie? Truth for your 20s. Truth for your 20s. So... Welcome to the third space, Katie. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited. I'm super happy to have you. Uh, Katie's coming to us all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Is that correct? That's right. And did, yeah, I, did I say it correctly? The, you did. Across the U.S. Across the U.S. So Arizona to Chattanooga. I like saying it. And I always think of the choo-choo and uh, where the FCS playoffs used to have their national championship. That's right. Yeah, because the University of Montana would play your school, Georgia Southern University, six-time national champion, Georgia Southern Eagles, and their dreaded triple option. 
Yes, and I am a Georgia Southern Eagle alumni. True Blue, True Blue. True Blue, what'd you study at Georgia Southern? Marketing, I was a marketing major. Look at you. So now you have a brand of your own and you studied marketing and uh, you're Insta famous and all of those kinds of things. How did you, how did you get into this, Katie? What happened? Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate the Insta famous thing. I don't feel very, <laughs> at least I am to one person. Um, let's see. So yes, I was a marketing major. My first big girl job was in making commercials doing some TV advertising. I've done a little bit of radio and print and all the things marketing and started noticing when I started doing print advertising, like with t-shirts and and pins and things like that, um, started noticing that Comfort Colors t-shirts, which some people know what that is. Some people, I bet you have a Comfort Colors t-shirt in your drawer. No. (laughs) Well, maybe not you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) But all the 20 year olds do. Okay. And so anyway, I started noticing this was a 30-year-old brand at the time. Um, I had never heard of it, although I had done t-shirts for years. It started flying off the shelves. Um, I I couldn't figure out, you know, why it was more expensive than the other t-shirts. It was oversized, which wasn't the trend. This is about 2014. Mm. It wasn't the trend at the time. And so my marketing brain... You just couldn't help, you know, just leave it that leave it be. So I'm kind of digging, like, why? Why is Comfort Colors? Did they come out with a new brand? Is it a new T-shirt? Is Beyonce endorsing them? So you know, just like some <laughs> random brand of T-shirt. While it's you're random brand of T-shirt, yeah. And and, and you're doing marketing, and right. you're noticing this trend. Yes, I'm noticing so, this trend. So, it's flying off. So now you're investigating. Right. So I'm playing detective. And I, at the time I'm doing promotional items, majority on a college campus at Georgia Southern. So I go over to campus and I see all these sorority girls with these giant comfort colors, t-shirts on over and over again. And I'm like, okay, two years ago, this was a nothing brand that barely anyone had heard of. Um, and now like they're flying off the shelves. Every time I put in an order for comfort colors, I have to hit a disclaimer saying, yes, I realize there will be stock shortages. Yes. I realize wow. there's going to be a delay in shipment and I'm putting two and two together. And I'm like, are sorority girls like starting this trend? What's happening? And, and I dig more right about that time, 2014 comfort colors sells to Gildan, which is the t-shirt giant, the yep. biggest t-shirt distributor on the planet for 10 times their previous net worth, a hundred million dollar paycheck wow. from Gildan to buy the comfort colors name brand because sorority girls decided that they like these t-shirts. Wait a minute. So, so just, just sorority girls changed the market. Literally, this is what I'm seeing. Yes. Literally changed the market. That's crazy. So these right. are like, are these, are these like the, the giant comfy? I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture what these t-shirts are like. Is this, is yeah. this like the, the quasi nightgown t-shirt or is this the, I can wear it around <laughs> town. Well, people do wear their oversized t-shirts around town, even though they slept in them. But I mean, is that what we're talking about or what kind of t-shirt are we talking about here? Just a regular t-shirt? It's a regular t-shirt. What sets them apart is they're pigment dyed. And I don't know if you know much about the t-shirt world, but they're just, um, it's a little bit higher quality. They're okay. pigment dyed, which is started off in the beach shops, which is where comfort colors had their niche uh-huh. until sorority girls started liking them. Um, the pigment dyed and oversized, whatever the case, they started liking them, started posting it on their Instagram, oh, started over. buying the large, you know, for their sorority mixers and all those things, started buying 100, 200 t-shirts for all the socials. Yep. And, and then this across they're flying the US. off the shelves. This across the yeah. U.S. 
So yeah, just, across the U.S. Oh man, so so this company got discovered by a bunch of twenty somethings. Yeah. Who 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 actually you know people don't really believe that twenty somethings have anything to add or to say or to they're not that important. You know, you're yeah. you're, you're buffering it when you're in your twenties. You're just buffering, right? Right. That's what I say. Yeah. And that's not what happened. Yeah. So I go on, you know, I have this, wait, did sorority girls take this to a hundred million dollar thing? And we go to our trade show in Orlando, um, in January about that year, probably about 2015 at this point. And I meet comfort colors, the people behind the scenes who do this every day. And I'm like, is this, this is what I see. These sorority girls make this a hundred million dollar thing. Is that what you see? And you know, I got my phone out to record her saying this because she goes, you guys, sorority girls can change the world. And I was like, I'm onto something here. She literally said that? Yes. Wait a minute. What's what's the title of your book? Hey. Hey. Sorority girls can change the world. For those of you who don't know, uh, Katie's written a book. It's called Sorority Girls Can Change the World. You can get it on Amazon, correct? That's right. And uh, do you sell it elsewhere? On my website, katiebulmer.life katiebulmer.life or at amazon.com. So, so you're onto something. You're like, Hey, wait, this, this group of, of, of people, this niche market, this, this, um, this segment, uh, has some kind of serious economic, but also social power. So she says sorority girls can change the world. Right. You're like, I got something. So, so from there, what happens? So from there I get, I I write a blog post about it and it does well. I have a lot of people sharing it and talking about it and things. And well, I'm going to fast forward a little bit after the book came out and I'll go back and tell you how that happened. I I had a conversation with youth trends, which is based in New York city. She found me through Google, I guess, talking about this, you know, power of influence I see in sorority women She's in New York and she writes, writes this trade magazine that literally like defines cool for mm. these big organizations. So mm-hmm. they, they write for Samsung and Nike and, oh, I don't remember, all these big organizations. Coca-Cola is one of them. And, you know, these big corporate executives in their high-rise buildings, no offense, but they may, n- might not necessarily know what is quote unquote cool. Right, they're too far away. Yeah, so yeah. they rely on this on trade magazines such as Youth Trends to define what is cool. So this woman in New York gives me a call and is like, we're interested in what you say about sorority women because here in New York, we are seeing the same thing. And she actually said sorority women in the South. So that's funny. Every time I go to a school, like I went to um, Eastern Kentucky not too long ago. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure she said Eastern Kentucky specifically uh-huh. are the ones <laughs> that said the trend. The- <laughs> They're the trendsetters. Yes, but it was exciting to see all these people, you know, seeing the same things I was seeing in New York City and in Orlando and people behind the scenes who um, mark the trends and note the trends that they were indeed seeing that these women have no idea the multi-million dollar power of influence they have. So I noted that and like, well, shoot, if they could do that with a t-shirt, what if they could do that with something else? And so I get super passionate about talking about these women buying fair trade. You know, if their dollars can change a t-shirt industry, why not take a bracelet? made by an artisan in a third world country and change that life, change that economic model for that city. Yeah. I believe it can happen. Um, and then I go on to dating, you know, if these incredible women can do this, why not change the dating culture? Why not set the bar higher? Why not say no, you know, I will not settle for some scumbag who cheats on me, you know, <laughs> right. 
my status, my bar is way high and I'm not going to settle for less. And I encourage women to see themselves that way in the mirror and in the dating world. And, um, if they can do that with a t-shirt, I just think that the, the sky is the limit of what else they can do Absolutely. to change the world. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you were in a sorority, correct? Yes. And I was what, at Alpha Delta Pi at Georgia Southern. Alpha Delta Pi. Okay. That's right. Alpha Delta. So it's the cool one, in case you're wondering. Would you be called an AD? What What was your... Were you, AD Pi, yeah. AD Pi, okay. AD Pi. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch that? AD Pi. I was a, I was a non... Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't pledge. I went through the, um, the week of checking everything out. It's pledge week, right? Yeah. It's been a few years and uh, I killed many brain cells. Uh, in my, in my so-called effort to find a fraternity or possibly, and, uh, my good friend, uh, Greg Lewis, he, he pledged, uh, Fiji. And so I I would be found frequently at the Fiji house in various capacities. Doing Bible studies, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Playing checkers. At that time, there were no Bible studies. Actually, you know, it was really funny, uh, pathetic and funny at the same time. I would get super hammered and then I would try yeah. to read the Bible because I felt really bad. And I was like, I would turn to the red letters because <laughs> I knew they were yeah. really important. My Bible had uh, uh, red letters where, uh, if you don't know, sometimes Bibles will have uh, red letters when Jesus spoke. And so I'd be really drunk out of my mind and I'd feel bad. And I'm like, okay, what is Jesus saying? And I'd try to read the red letters, just totally hammered. It, did, it didn't really stick. I don't know. Huh. It's so crazy, huh? Yeah, weird. So, so what, you, what, you, what you were able to do is you were able to look into a culture that you've been a part of that you care about and, and you were able to recognize something in them that maybe they don't recognize in themselves. And, yeah. and it's the power of their influence, not just economically, but in other ways as well. Is that, is that a fair way to say that? Yeah, I think that's perfect. I, you know, I felt, well, I became a Christian right when I graduated out of college and I, you know, I hate to say I felt the call because that sounds vague, but like I kind of felt that nudge that God wanted me to go back and share what God had done in my life to sorority women right after graduation. Mm-hmm. But at the time I would have told you, oh, you know, I have done keg stands with these girls. They, <laughs> right. They're not going to believe me. Who right. am I? Yada, da, yada. And it took there's a quote from a need to breathe song that says it's the reason that the road is long. It takes some time to make your courage strong. Mm. And I feel that's so true because I was such a, a pansy at that time. I didn't feel brave enough or confident enough, you know, all that. And years later, after getting married and having kids, diving into a lot of different things that were not necessarily my lane and trying to quote unquote serve Jesus in my own strength by doing all the Christian things. I thought I had to be a good Christian by moving to Africa and living in a dirt floor. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I found Jesus in the mansions of Greek row yeah. when I finally was like, all right, I'm going back. And um, just one door flew open after another where I was able to just to like, Hey, so I kind of think you guys can change the world. Let's talk about it. That is so cool. <laughs> That is so cool. So Katie, you grew up in the South. I thought all Southerners were Christians. That's not, yes. Okay. Cause I, you know, bless your heart. Bless your heart. (laughs) Bless your heart. That's, I mean, that's Christian right there. Blessings. Um, and, and so, so you, you came to faith a little bit later then. I mean, uh, statistically speaking, most people come to faith in Christ before the age of 18. You did so by your college by the senior year in college. So, so, um, 
do you care to share any of the circumstances surrounding that yeah. or is it kind of like uh, off limits or what? You know? No, nothing's off limits. You were at a Buddhist temple in Thailand. <laughs> you heard the name. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> but no, that's so true. I write about that in the book, how I would have told you I was a Christian because my grandmother was a Christian and I went to vacation Bible school when I was seven and I had a Bible verse on my bulletin board. So, I mean, what more evidence that's do you Christian need? Christian right there. There you go. So I would have told you the whole time I was a Christian, but you know, I didn't want Jesus to cramp my fun or get in the way of being popular, which is I thought only real Christians were nerdy. And um, I was entirely too wrapped up in my own simple self to, to give that any attention. But um, what I thought I needed, what I thought my happily ever after was in a boyfriend as Mm. 90% of the young women I disciple feel. Um, I thought, well, if I can find my happily ever after, then everything else will fall into place. And then I can go to church and then I can be for real about Jesus. But in the meantime, I'm going to go to the parties and drink whatever they're passing around and date whoever is nice to me that night. And, um, just felt that lifestyle was repetitively empty. Mm. Um, it seemed so shiny on the outside. It seemed popular and fun and pretty and sexy. And it was empty time and time again. And my senior year, after I thought I had everything planned out, I was going to get married to this guy. You know, everything was wrapped up in a pretty bow. We were going to have 2.5 kids and live in a white picket fence house. <laughs> just, just a second. What's with the 0.5 anyways? I hear people say that and I'm like, how do you have... How do you have two and a half kids? I heard a comedian say one time, I have two great kids and another kid. And then another kid. <laughs> so that's what it is. Either that or that's the fish, right? Or the uh, turtle yeah, or so. the dog or, yeah. So you had it all planned out. I had it all planned out until we broke up. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. This is my senior year. I have a plan. You are my plan. This is not the way this is supposed to go. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, low, low point. Like yeah, I, can imagine. Well, I don't have any other options. I've, I've dated the cool guy, the popular guy. I've lowered my standards and dated the nerdy guy just to make sure that I would find a happily ever after by golly. <laughs> the nerdy guy. I hope he's whatever not. it takes. I hope he's not listening. Nerdy guy. If you're out there, there's still love for you. He will remain nameless. <laughs> <laughs> was this guy, uh, was he in a fraternity? Yes. So that makes it difficult because uh, was it like a brother or sister fraternity? I mean, because you're going to see him again. Oh, yeah. And all of our friends are wrapped in together. Uh, Yeah. It's the whole mess. Not fun. Not fun. And this is, you know, the end of my college career. This is my everything. And I was like, what the crap? What am I going to do now? Right. So I have a friend invite me to a Bible study. And I think it's interesting to note that she was the girl who I'm pretty sure a Bible would catch on fire if she held it. Like she was the girl whose <laughs> reputation preceded her. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just want to go to this Bible study to see like what happens with my friend, we'll call her Rebecca, goes to the Bible you study. you can't believe that she's doing it, right? Yeah. So I go out of curiosity. Um But lo and behold, there I hear the woman at the well story. And the woman at the well was a woman just like me trying to find her happily ever after in the arms of a boy. Um, She tried five times and it didn't work out. And she just felt empty and depleted. And the way it was described to me is that she goes to the well with a cup with holes in it. And for a minute that her cup is full, but just as soon as she walks away, it seeps out and she's empty again. Mm. And I was like, 
oh man, she's reading my mail. That is me. I'm the girl who feels full when I put on makeup and go to that party or feels full when that boy tells me, you know, I'm beautiful. And then as soon as I walk away, that cup is empty again. Mm. And I remember praying, I don't know what eternal water is, but if it exists, I want a keg of it. Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. Yeah. So that's when everything changed for me. And, um, so That's when I wanted to go back and be like, no, wait, guys, eternal water is where it at, where it is. But then I was too scared at the time. Well, and honestly, you know, I think especially when there's character involved, there has to be a little bit of time yeah. where, where, okay, we found the truth. Um, but the difficulty is, is that people, they don't want to hear it from you, especially when yeah. you were, you know, I was throwing up for distance, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Hey, nobody can out barf me. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I found Jesus. And people are like, yeah, right. You yeah. Know? And so, so it's almost that, you know, prophet is without honor and it's in his own country kind of thing. But it's also like, I, I have to figure out what it means to embrace Christ and to live in him for a while. So, yeah. that, so that I actually am transformed in a, in a way that's meaningful to the people around me. Otherwise it's just another person telling me how to live or some kind of garbage that I don't want to hear. And I I always think that was part of what I was always responding to as well. When, when there were Christians out there and I was like, give me a break, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm busy living my own life. And yeah, you may even be right, but not right now. You know, I don't, I I don't necessarily want to hear that. So, so was this Bible study with an organization or was it, what was it? Who was hosting it? Yeah, it was with Crew. Uh-huh. Crew does some really good stuff on campus, so I've always been a big um, supporter of them. I love what they do. Yeah, and Crew um, back in the day was called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, yeah, and and actually that's where I uh, came to faith. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I gave my life to uh, to Christ at a um, Christmas conference, which is a whole other story that I should probably record at some point yeah. about my own faith journey. But uh, yeah, so so you, how soon? Was this by, I mean, I'm trying to think, is this the beginning of your senior year? This is the end of your senior year? This is the end of my senior year. I'm like walking out of college. Wow. Yeah, and just became a Christian. And looking back, you know, I wish I would have had just that fire for Christ as a college student. And that's another reason I'm so passionate about these girls. Like, look at all that you guys can do if you have the belief and the passion and the, um, just the confidence in yourself. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? Right. Right. So they could change the world. They could change the world. And they do. And they do. So, so, um, you know, help us, help us get from, okay. So, so, you know, clean slate in in terms of your own expectations about what life is going to look like senior year, bam. Um, can, is it okay if you share us when you graduated from college? Sure. Oh, two, 2002. 2002. So you're done with college and you're like, okay, find a marketing job. Is that what happens? Okay. Yeah, so I got my big girl job in advertising. Where, and then it wasn't too long after that. Yeah. Was it this in, was in Statesboro, Georgia. Statesboro, for those of you who don't know, is the home of Washington Grizzly Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so you the stayed you stayed in, Southern Eagles. <laughs> you stayed in town. Uh yes. where, did you grow up there? Is that your hometown? No. So that was a big, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was another reason this broke up was so bad. Cause I'm like, I'm not moving back home. My parents had moved at this point. There wasn't, wasn't even a back home for me to go to. Um, there was no plan B, you know, this guy and I were the plan A and there was no plan B. So I got a job in the city. I actually had an internship and it was funny. I was selling, uh, 
Georgia Southern Yellow Pages, which was a thing that existed, um, <laughs> to the local cable station. And the guy gave me a job on the spot. He's like, you're good at doing this. Do you want to sell advertising when you're done with his internship? And I'm like, I don't have a plan B. So yes. <laughs> that sounds great. That's now plan A. That is now plan A. <laughs> so it was cool. I got to boot my friends in commercials and that was fun. We got to, you know, pretend like I was big stuff on a TV screen, you know, so that was fun. And, um, and then shortly after that, I met my husband, which was a big deal because he was a Christian and like any other guy, any other fraternity guy, especially I'd ever dated, um, had extreme levels of integrity, which I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. He, he did things like protect his eyes and like just extreme levels of integrity and dated me with such honor and such respect. And I'm like, who is this guy? And <laughs> what does is he it? have brothers? Right. <laughs> where, all did, my friends. where did you meet? At church. Gotcha. And where, yeah, were, where, a, were, where were you going to church? It was called Fletcher Memorial Baptist Church. Fletcher Memorial Baptist <laughs> Church. So, so when you, when you see him, um, you know, is it, did the harps play? I mean, was there some <laughs> angelic moment? Like, just, oh, you know. Pretty much something like that. Yeah. No, it's cool because he was actually, the the pastor was out of town. And so he was filling in, he was preaching the first time I saw him. Mm. And he, I remember, still remember, this was 14 years ago. He, um, the challenge to the congregation was, would you feel comfortable bringing everything you watched, listened to, and downloaded with you to church that Sunday? Mm. And it was like mind blowing for my 22 year old self. Cause I'm like, wait, your, your Sunday morning self and your Friday night self, like those, those are the same person. Yeah. I thought you just put on a white dress and pretended like your life was perfect. Right. You know, and so, and this guy like lived it and believed it and what, who is he, you know? And so I had a friend, her, her name was Katie as well, invite me to like go hang out at the college group. And I just started following him around like a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Did he know? I mean, was he, Um, was he aware? He's like, wait, I'm being stalked. Well, it's funny because I, there was another guy unrelated who apparently liked me and another girl that liked him and we weren't interested in these other guy, people, but we were interested in each other, but no one knew all of this. And so we're like, well, I guess he likes that girl. And he's thinking, well, I guess she likes that guy. And mm-hmm. anyway, so it's kind of like a little funny dance. Pretty typical, you know? uh, 20 something. Exactly. Yeah. Dynamic. Yeah. 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 So, so, so how long did you guys together? date? Yeah. We dated, um, Oh goodness. We were friends for a while. So between dating friends and all that kind of stuff between before engagement was about a year. Okay. Yeah. And then uh do you get engaged and did you have a long mm-hmm. engagement? No, about six months. Six months. Get her done. Get it done. To be fair, um, our engagement was four. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Why, why, why wait? Well, what can I say? I mean, she was just eager to marry me. I can't, you know, what am I? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> she can wait. She's like, ah, I've got to get this guy. <laughs> so so you 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 kind of recognize there's a new plan or, or maybe a different way forward that, that isn't all... Um, yellow brick road and kind of planned out and stuff, but you just, it's kind of a new way. Um, and so you start doing that. You, you, you recognize what it means to be honored in a relationship and, um, and you have kind of this nagging voice that's telling you that maybe speaking to some sorority girls might not be a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the tipping point for you when, like, do you remember the first time you spoke? I mean, for those of you who are listening, Katie speaks, uh, a lot 
And uh, the cool thing is, is that you're out in, you're in Chattanooga. Um, there are so many colleges out where you are. Yeah. And uh, this uh, fraternity sorority life is a, is a large part of the college experience back there. Uh, it is a little different in the West, um, mm-hmm. but um, you're speaking all the time. So what was the first one like? I mean, how, what did you say and where did you go? How did it happen? Yeah. So I heard a quote at one point I was kind of dealing with a holy hunger for lack of a better word. This is, we had had babies at this point. My husband was a youth pastor. So we're deep in, you know, high school ministry and helping out with college ministry. And I'm reading books like radical and crazy love. And I'm like, Brian, you we're not doing this right. We got to move to Africa or something, you know, like I just felt like I wasn't, there was something itching inside of me. And I knew that I wasn't where God wanted me, but I couldn't put my finger on where it was. So I remember hearing, instead of waiting for the heavens to open up, and reveal your calling, why don't you just dive in where God is already at work and and plug in and see where you can get involved. Mm. So I did that. There was an organization called Fostering Bullock. Bullock County was the county we were a part of and they helped foster families and just children in difficult situations with parents and you know, poverty or whatever the circumstances would be. And I was like, I want to help there. And I did. And I learned a lot and it changed my life. And I'm so thankful for every moment. But that two years, I was for sure serving God on my own strength, so, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like I was, I was exhausted. I was staying up late, doing all that I could, you know, making the phone calls, having people that were homeless three days ago, staying at our house. And, and I learned so much. I'm thankful for that opportunity. But during all of that, I learned my lane. So Mm. I remember having this breakdown in our closet because there's this one specific woman I was trying to help so bad. Like we'd gotten her, she was homeless and we got her a car. We got her um, daycare for her kids. We got her a job. We got her all the things. And as quickly as we got it all together, she let it all fall apart. Like she stopped showing up for work and all these things. So I'm having this breakdown in my closet, like, God, what the heck? Are you falling asleep up there? <laughs> right. Look, pay attention. Do you see how hard I'm working? And if ever I've heard the voice of God, he was like, when, when did I ever ask you to do any of that? Sorority women, go share your testimony with sorority women. And I was wow. like, I remember that you mentioned something about that. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was a while ago. That, oh yeah. I was hoping you forgot like Jonah. <laughs> Because it wasn't something I would have signed up for. At this point, you know, I'm um, young 30s. Sorority women are 20 and beautiful and intimidating. You know, who am I? Where do I even start? Um, During this whole time, though, I had gotten my yoga license. Uh Uh-huh. And I go to the same church and this young girl who's in a sorority says, Hey, don't, are you a yoga teacher? Would you mind coming to our sorority to do a yoga class for our sisters? By the way, I'm an 80 pie, which is what I'm an alumni from. And I'm wow, like, coincidence. Shocking. Yes, I can. <laughs> I, I'm, I'll be there tomorrow. That's great. <laughs> or whatever it was. So I showed up, we did a yoga class. And who happens to be there, but the president, who's really good at yoga, Mm -hmm. um, starts to like my class and starts to come to the class I have regularly at the gym. And so I get to know her better. And I'm like, hey, so I kind of have this idea that sorority women, you know, have this really cool power of influence because of my background in marketing. I'd like to just kind of share that with your chapter sometime. I'm thinking a group of like 20, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, sure, we don't have anything going on this Sunday at chapter meeting. You can have the floor about 10 or 15 minutes at the end of our chapter meeting. Speak to all 225 of us. I'm like, 
Uh, <laughs> wow. That was my first speaking opportunity. Obviously it was, you know, unpaid. I had no idea what I was doing. I just was sharing my heart like, Hey guys. And I had some girls come up to me afterwards, say that I should be a motivational speaker. And they were like hugging me and stuff. Oh, that is so cool. Total confirmation. Yes. It was such a confirmation, even though I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had girls ask me for coffee dates afterwards. And that's where kind of the whole heart to just serve these women in any capacity that I have, but just like having one-on-one coffee dates, having small group coffee dates. And from there, I started speaking um, more. I had some opportunities to go to conferences to a few local colleges. And then we moved up to Chattanooga. That definitely opened up the floodgates because like you said, I'm geographically a lot closer to a lot of schools. Sure. And yeah, I mean, just, I was just looking recently, it's been 24 different colleges now, over almost 5,000 different girls I've had the opportunity to speak to. Wow. So it's just bananas. I know, it's crazy. That is super cool. That's yeah. super cool. Or, or you could have a meltdown in a closet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one way or the other. That's, right? that's how it starts. Well, I found, I found too, um, you know, um, well, there's a book, um, When Helping Hurts. You know, and yeah. specifically it's about, um, about stuff in, in the third world country. Um, but I found that when you're trying to do things for people, um, it's not always, um, the way that we think we're helping isn't the way that they need help or have asked for help, or they may not have even asked for help. So we do all this stuff and we think, Hey, isn't it great? And it's like, <laughs> not really, uh, you know, and, and we have a saying in our relationship, we talk about unsolicited advice. Primarily, I say that to my bride. Um, a little shout out to Amy. It'll be 24, hey. year, 24 years this August. Um, she will uh, help me when I haven't asked for help. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, I really don't care for unsolicited advice about this right now. But if you hear me say, can you help me? Then I'd love to hear what you have to say. And unfortunately, I think uh, churches, Christians, um, we're great at unsolicited advice. Uh, we, sure. we step in and we say, oh, I know how to help. And, uh, and then we, we um, maybe put the Jesus on top of that and uh, call it something that it isn't. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference when we're able to say, okay, um, I'm trying to hear about what God has uh, for me. And then it should involve maybe some fear, you know, where you're a little scared, yeah. you know, and you're like, this is outside of my comfort. This, I don't know, man, you know, and it's like, right. That means that we actually might actually have to exercise some faith <laughs> as it, as it pertains to, uh, to walking alongside other people. So, so, so you've, you've been doing this for how long, Katie, when did you, when did you write the book? See the book, uh, about two and a half years. Okay. So, and that started, yeah, just as a blog post. Okay. So you turned a blog uh, post into a book. Uh, yeah. Great great idea. Uh, I know somebody who did something similar. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are listening, um, I recommend, so there's a lot of, I don't know if you get this, uh, Katie, but people will ask me about writing books. And I think um, just write. Yes. Just write. Just write. And then you can, you can put it all together in a book somehow. Um, yeah. But if you're not writing, there's no book. Uh, yeah, for to- sure. Total sidebar. So, so about two and a half years ago, you write this book, and um, and you're you're speaking, and uh, you're helping shape young ladies' lives. Um, and it's kind of like, wow, how who would have seen that coming, right? Yeah. So, so what's what do you hear? What do you hear? Twenty somethings 
I mean, specifically you're with the girls, with the ladies. Um, what do you hear kind of their biggest struggle? What's, what's one of the biggest things that they're facing? Definitely dating. They, they, ears always perk up when you talk about dating. I think that they, they also, like I was at that age, think that a guy will complete me. You know, Jerry Maguire didn't do us any favors with that famous movie line. <laughs> you complete me. <laughs> yeah. And um, they think that as soon as I find my happily ever after, everything will be okay. And um, a knight in shining armor is going to save me from my reckless lifestyle and everything's going to be okay. And what I, I think is mind blowing to the 20 year olds is who you're becoming today affects who you will become when you're 30 or henceforth and forevermore. So wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Say that again. Who you're becoming today will also affect who you are as a grown up, for lack of a better word, mm. your future. Because, you know, they think, well, I'm 18. I'm going to make whatever questionable decisions I want on spring break. I'm going to hook up with who I want to, drink what I want, and go where I want and drive as recklessly as I want. And, you know, in our cultures, oh, yeah, YOLO, no strings attached, it's all good. But what people are finding, and everyone who's lived 25 years or more knows that those decisions don't, there's no erase button in life. Right. And those decisions do not walk away when you put on a white dress. Those decisions don't walk away when you find the right guy or when you get a job or whatever the case may be. And people are living with regret gets a bad rap that it's like, Oh, I'm going to live with no regrets. Okay. That's cute. And I hope that, you know, you can, (laughs) yeah, Jesus does for sure wash away all those sins. But in the meantime, you know, I've never met someone who like makes, you know, sleeps with a bunch of people, does all this reckless lifestyle and, and wishes they would have kept going. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so, I think that if you can decide when you're 18, the way you want your future to be, like, what do you want to explain to your husband one day? What do you hope that he is going to explain to you one day? Mm. And so if you hope that he is protecting his heart and his body and his mind, then you need to be returning that favor. Mm. Um, And so just all these things that are, I think make sense to me as an almost 40 year old are mind stinking blowing 20 year old. And no one's telling them that the decisions you make when you're 18 don't go away. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the idea that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, and it's like, no, it doesn't. It goes with you. So if you get chlamydia, it's not staying in Vegas. Right. It's going home. You know, I mean, it's like that's only that, true on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's so funny because there's so much in our culture that would tell us those things, right? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. you only live once and yada, yada, yada. I think one of the things, so, um, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing has to do with um, trying to help people uh, embrace dignity uh, for themselves and for others. And one of the things that I find is that people in their twenties and, and actually much later than that too, um, they don't believe that they're worthy of dignity or they have a hard time understanding how precious they are. And so, so I, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking with a 20 something, um, you know, I'm typically talking about that. It's like, do you, you know, if you knew your value, if you knew your worth, and I hate those terms because they have usually have to do with finances and that drives me crazy because this isn't, it's not transactional. Um, it's relational and it's like, man, um, I just actually, I just wrote about this. Uh, I'll be posting about it uh, a little bit later, but, um, 
you know, the idea is that we we have become members of a particular family. It's a royal family, as a matter of fact. And the royal family behaves a certain way because they're part of a royal family, not because of shame or guilt or any of those things. But it's like, do, do you realize what's available to you? Do you understand how... Um, how, um, precious you are, you know? And so when I see, um, you know, 20 something guy or girl, you know, behaving in a way like, like they're scrambling for, for an identity or they're, they're trying to make sure that they don't miss out or all those things. It's like, wait, you're a part of something so much bigger than that. And, um, you can live into that, you know, without a bunch of the shame and guilt that comes with, some of the other decisions that we make. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think we were talking about um, in a previous conversation the the uh, the the dating thing and uh, the idea for me when it comes to the guys to say, hey, uh, leave her better than you found her. Um, this isn't, <laughs> you know, when it comes from the from a from a male perspective, this isn't get what you can while you can, you know, and then and then on to the next one. It's like, wait, uh, I actually think your primary job is to to help her have a better sense of who she is. Yes. And so you, you don't, um, you know, you're not there to get something out of the relationship. You're there to build something into her. Um, and I wish more guys understood that. Oh, a thousand percent. And women too, you know, I always say that women have much more power in this than they realize. And if they're dating a guy who is selfishly in the relationship to just get what he can get out of it, then she walks away and she's like, uh, no, get out of my face. And I think that it's just a lack of education between what you just said and educating men to respect women and also women respecting themselves to be like walking away from that toxic relationship. Man, can you imagine? Okay. So sorority women can change the world. Okay. Imagine sorority women saying en masse, like just hundreds of them at a time. Um, I know my worth. <laughs> uh, the, I think I, I, I stole it from somebody, but know your worth and add tax. Yes. <laughs> it's like, know your worth. So, so it's like, yeah, you're just trying to get something from me and I choose not to be used. Preach. So, that is my dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? That is, if they can take a stinking t-shirt <laughs> and make it a hundred million dollar thing, yes, in mass in mass masses, as they do most things, you know, we're going to make a big social and buy a thousand t-shirts. We're going to make, um, we're going to buy 2000 bracelets for all of our members. We're going to walk away from the guys who are not treating our bodies with respect and imagine? treating and honoring. Yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I, I think it would be really amazing if somehow, some way the, the predatory nature of the relationship between, uh, men and women, especially in their twenties, uh, but it carries on. Um, but, but if the predatory nature changed and, yes. and it wasn't just, I'm, I'm here to get something, but I'm here to, to actually build into somebody, um, man, that would be revolutionary. I mean, completely, I mean, culturally shaping period. I mean, we're talking well past the hundred million dollar t-shirt thing, even though that's amazing, but it would be, it would be like, whoa, dignity like that would be, um, it would just be precious and amazing. It would change marriages. It would change futures. It would change 
yeah, the next generation because they're not having daddy issues. Who's not, I mean, there's so many things it's, and as you said, self-worth, you know, if you continually give your body away, then that doesn't help your view of yourself, of your self-worth. And so these women, they realize, no, I'm worth, I'm royalty. Why in the world would I date this guy? Then your self-worth, it's like a, it's, can be an upward spiral or a downward spiral. Right. And our culture is for sure not helping it go upward. So yeah, I think oh, of, that's amazing. I think about the um, Meghan Markle's um, and, and uh, Kate um, Middleton's. Um, yeah. You, you know, you would be shocked to see them behaving in a way that was not befitting their status. And not just socioeconomic, but, but it's like, wait, you're a royal. So there is this kind of sense of, hey, this is how a royal behaves um, that, that might be a bit oppressive. I mean, uh, poor, um, what was her name in Aladdin? That poor gal. She was just stuck in the- Jasmine. Jasmine, just never going to live her life. <laughs> this is what it means to be a princess. I want yeah. something more. <laughs> what was me? What was me? But the idea is that, that, that you know, you would not expect them as a princess, as a, a, as a daughter of the king on some level. Uh, to be out clubbing and uh, and hitting everybody and doing all that stuff and yeah. it, it would be like, wait, do you know what's available to you? Do you, do you know that the piece of the trans just transforms everything is available to you? Do you know that? Do you know how grace filled God's disposition is towards you? You can you can swim in that water all day long and, and it actually removes the need for you to try to find value in relationships. I just read Mo Isom's book. It's called uh, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot. So good. Oh, good. But she compares that to, are you a Walmart girl or a Dolce and Gabbana girl? I'm not talking about where you shop, like who you are. Because right. Walmart is a dime a dozen. You know, anyone can visit. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, not special. But a Dolce and Gabbana girl is, you know, worth more. And she's high price. And there's security guards protecting the goods. Right. And not just anyone can walk in and buy a Dolce and Gabbana purse. Mm-hmm. And we just went to New York and I just saw that firsthand, all the security guards around these high-end expensive things. And to think that you are that high-end, expensive, valuable, worthy person, right. not just anyone can walk in, like you are so much more valuable. And so I think it's changing that mindset, like you are not a Walmart person. You are a human being bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, like taking it and elevating it. It just can change everything. Super important. Well, and I think too, you know, Katie, if, um, you're speaking to girls in sororities, you know, arguably you're in, in a certain kind of socioeconomic strata layer. Um, and if, if women who are in that socioeconomic strata have trouble believing that, then what about women who aren't? Yeah. I mean, man, they, they would have the hardest time. So they may not have some of the advantages that other, other ladies have. And it's like, how do we help them understand their value and their worth? And, uh, and what does it look like for men to accept their role? Uh, as somebody who would honor and respect in a way that makes sense to the ladies, not to the men. Yes. (laughs) That would be revolutionary. I I just love the fact that you are talking about those things that you're in a niche where it's like, this is really, really critical. And you're trying to help, um, help young ladies get that kind of thing. That is just, I don't, yeah. Of the highest calling. You know, Thank you. Yeah, so, so good. And I love the fact that you're killing it. 
you know, trying. Yeah. I mean, well, you're, you're doing great. And, and for those of you who uh, don't follow her on Instagram, uh, Katie, what's your Instagram handle? At katiebulmer.life. It's just Bulmer with a B, katiebulmer.life. Right. And, uh, and Katie is, uh, like I said, she's Insta famous and she's, she's good at Instagram. Whereas I'm, <laughs> I go, here's a picture. Uh, Katie knows how to work the whole thing. So I encourage you to, to check her out on Instagram. Katie, what, what's coming up for you next? What, what's kind of thing? Like, are you thinking about another book or are you, you know, you're, you're doing a bunch of speaking, you're doing the book. Um, do you, do you have a picture of, of maybe what you're going to do? Uh, I know that we're talking about the podcast cause you're launching the podcast Yeah, and it, again, it's called What's it called? Truth for your twenties. Truth for your twenties podcast. You're going to have that on all the platforms. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, um, and what are you hoping to do through the podcast? And then maybe mention if there's anything, uh, I know launching a podcast is a big deal. Um, <sighs> if there's something else behind that, um, maybe you can share that as well. Yeah. So my heart behind it is like I mentioned, a lot of this stuff started with me just having coffee dates with a 20 year old. So I'm giving the mic to 20 year olds and we're just having honest conversations. Mm. I've already recorded several episodes and we've talked about boys and finding your place in the world and how to know, you know, what's important to you and all those things. And we're just having honest conversations. I told them not to think of me as their mama. Um, and I'm not their best friend either. Someone's called me a cool aunt and that's, that's my favorite so far. I'm going to be, I'm going to be your cool aunt (laughs) (laughs) and just talk about all the things that you're trying to figure out because you know, you just, you don't have it all figured out at 20. And I think it's kind of a beautiful age because the 17 year olds think they know it all. And then when you get to 20, you're like, Oh shoot, (laughs) I know nothing. I might need a little bit of help. And I, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that they're willing to listen to someone who's just walked that road with them and um, hopefully can speak a little life into them. And yes, I am actually working on a re, Vamp, a relaunch of my book. Oh, that's when exciting. I, um, yeah. So it's, I encourage people, like you said, just to write. And that's pretty much what I did. I had a blog post turned into a free download on my website, turned into a paperback book, paperback copy of my book. And I'm so thankful for that because that's kind of been the launching point of going into speaking to schools and stuff, but there's a lot more to say. So I'm just kind of adding and revamping that and working with um, the girl who helped me the first time to edit it and everything. So I'm excited about that. And uh, I have another book in me, but one thing at a time. <laughs> right. It's so funny, isn't it? Cause you, you, yeah. you want to share and you want to share and it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to be focused, you know, yeah, it's so, yeah. so hard when you got all that going on. I want to do it all. But you, I know, right. Enneagram <laughs> three. I was just going to say, and you're an Enneagram three, which means look out, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So, so. So, uh, conversations with, uh, with 20 somethings change once their frontal lobe fully forms, right? Around yeah. 25 or so, uh, they start taking things a little more seriously. That's when we tend to, um, yeah, we tend to kind of make different decisions, uh, and it's super helpful, but getting from 15 to 25, uh, involves quite a bit of white water. Right. So it's, uh, it's great that you're giving them a voice. Are able to talk to them about uh, some of the things that they're experiencing? And uh, yeah, so do you have a time frame for when the book might be launching? Well, July 1st is the launch date for the podcast. I do have a timeline on that. As far as the book, I don't know yet. I'm hopeful. I want to have a lot ready to go in August, um, which is when a lot of the sorority women go back to school. One other thing I'm working on, which is for sure going to be ready in August, is um, what does it look like to be a, quote, world changer as a leader in your sorority? Because a lot of times... um, 
say the president, for example, is taught how to be president by another 20-year-old peer. And you might have an advisor check a few boxes to make sure she knows what she's doing. But I wish someone would have told me when I was in charge of the finances of my sorority what an important role that is and how to not take that lightly and how my friends voted for me as the best possible candidate for this job, that's an honor and a responsibility and just Mm -hmm. train them how to do that well. So I'm definitely going to have that available as a teaching platform on my website in August. So lots of things in the works. Yeah. So so you're actually helping with the, um, kind of the, 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 um, leadership of sororities as well. Yeah. And, and it's true. Uh, I think I've saw that, uh, seen that your husband helps you out on occasion or he gets to speak about, yeah. fi- is it finances? Is that correct? Yes. So right now he it teaches financial literacy at the university of Tennessee at Chattanooga. So basically he works with college students to help them just be smart with their money. A very wow. under, yeah. <laughs> Where under was he when I was in college, right? <laughs> Everyone tells us that. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have listened. I I would not have listened, but I wish he was there. (laughs) He has some cool kids who come in and you get everything. You get um, kids that are kids. I'm at the age where I call college students kids. But, um, you know, people who come in that are selling stuff on Etsy, making $30,000 a year. Unbelievable. And also you get the students who come in having no idea that they have to pay back their student loans. Right. Right. Huge game. Oh wait, this isn't free money? Yeah. Does Dave so, does yeah. Dave Ramsey know about what your your husband's doing? I, I don't think he knows personally, but he was trained under the Dave Ramsey organization was, in Nashville a few years ago. I yeah. was going to say, Dave, if you're listening, hey. <laughs> I'm sure that Dave Ramsey is listening sure to my Third Space podcast. Dave, if you're listening, yeah. you got to check out what's happening at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. And we did a yoga class with them. We combined it all. Like we taught them finance and yoga up nice. um, to the Kappa Delta chapter. It was so fun. <laughs> Does your husband do yoga as well? Uh, <laughs> That's of. an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> so you, you may be, because you're an instructor, maybe you're a yoga snob. And he actually does do yoga, just not as well as you. Maybe that's what he's a, He's a runner. So runners and yoga people usually don't... Don't go together. Yeah. So it's funny uh, because I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Actually, yeah. they, have a, they have a very close connection with the yoga community um, for strength and flexibility and that kind of stuff. And so we would do, uh, on occasion, we would have yoga yoga classes before jujitsu class. Nice. And, um, I've stood on my head, but never on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I was forced to stand on my head. It didn't go so well. You can do it. Yeah, I can do it. But, um, I could could probably, probably pull it off at some point. But (laughs) so, um, Katie, what kinds of things do you want people to know, uh, before we sign off? I mean, you've got, uh, you've got a lot going on. You got a book coming out next year. You got a podcast starting, uh, July 1st. Yeah. called Truth for Your 20s. I can't encourage you enough to uh, to check that out. If you're listening, uh, put that on your on your calendar so that you can catch up with that launch date, especially if you know somebody in their 20s, maybe you have kids. Um, I mean, I'm going to be encouraging my daughter who's 19 to, to check this stuff out uh, and, and her friends as well. I think, um, yeah, you've got a lot going on. Uh, anything yeah. you want to share before we kind of wrap things up? No, I think you covered it. I'd love to be your Insta friend. That's where I hang out on the social world the most. So at katiewilmer.life. And I'm just thankful to be here and I appreciate all that you do to help young men be the world changers as well. And, and, you know, seeking the dignity and respect. And I think that you're doing an awesome thing here. I'm I'm grateful for that. Uh, Katie, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm, I'm appreciative. Yeah. Thank you. 
Hey, if you love this episode, well, I'd love your feedback. Head on over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you stream your podcast and leave a review. Reviews help us know what you love, what topics you want covered next and help others to find us. Hey, speaking of which, if you have a friend in mind who could really benefit from today's show, take a screenshot like right now of this episode, share it on your Insta story and give me a tag so I can thank you. I'm at katiebulmer.life and we really appreciate you spreading the word. Thanks so much for joining us today on Truth For Your 20s.